Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hello, welcome everyone to The Distraction here on Fightful.com. I am Jeremy Lambert. Joined today, as always, the chubby chief, Joseph Holbert. Joseph, how are you today? I'm a little bit... It's, it's a dark day in some ways, Jeremy, because it's the end of draft content. Yeah. And this is like the one week in which you can pretend what we cover is like an interesting sport topic. So in that sense, it's sad, but we have a guest. To bring my energy up, so I am excited. I'm ready to go. And today we will discuss. Yes, you guessed it. Draft, draft content. So there we are. We still have the yeah, trade deadline we'll coming up in a couple of weeks that we can talk about. I mean, I, I sense say that week, will be many months. Yeah. <laughs> I sense that'll be more disappointing than anything else for me. So I'll leave that there. We are joined by a special guest today from RBR Wrestling Weekly, William Washington. William, what's going on, man? Oh, I am glad to be here. Thank you for having me, Jeremy. Yes. Next, Joe. Yes. No, you're right, it's Jeremy. I'm, I'm just sort of being along for the ride. Like, for some reason, I just sort of show up every week. But it's definitely Jeremy, you're correct. <laughs> uh, we're here again to talk draft, and we're going to talk uh, AEW free agents. They've made a lot of signings during the pandemic. We're going to kind of rank them. That is some real sports stuff. Free agent signings, rank them on your big board and stuff. That's what we're here for. And yes. in the main event of the, the evening, Halloween Havoc 1995, Monster Trucks, Yetes, uh, turns, swerves, d- demon face paint, whatever was going on there. Just just so much madness from Halloween Havoc 1995. Let's get into the draft first and foremost. Well, let me, let me, let me do some plugs here. YouTube.com slash Fightful. Subscribe. Hit the thumbs up. Tap the bell for notifications. Sign up to Fightful Select. Sean's always got news dropping. We're doing gaming streams, all that stuff. Go to Fightful.com. There you go. There's the plugs. Um, let's get into the draft. Night one, Friday night, Drew McIntyre taking number one overall. This is a terrible pick. What would you make of the Friday night draft? We'll, we'll start with you, Will. Um, so, first off, I, I do want to uh, stress that I hate this format. I just do. Uh, I... You know, I, I, I feel like um, the draft has been one of those things that WWE has uh, been kind of hit or miss with. You know, uh, I, I was always a big fan of, and they only did it one year, the 2005 format, where they 
they did one pick a week and it lasted a month um, and that's that will always be my favorite um, but I feel like even though it's been probably since what 2011 that they've done the the old format of have a match winner gets a pick for their team and it's a lottery um, I still feel like fans are accustomed to the idea of simply picking from each show they don't necessarily care who stays anywhere and it's almost mm-hmm. like a waste of everybody's time to to do that and so in that sense uh last year made sense because they had done the uh what was it the wild card rule for so long that uh it made sense to reestablish where everybody was whereas yeah. this year you didn't have to do that <laughs> no, yeah. uh, and so like it's not a huge deal necessarily <laughs> to have to to announce that Raw has drafted Drew McIntyre and like who cares uh, I don't know so <laughs> yeah. that that uh, right off the bat to me um, makes it not as much fun to watch as drafts have been in previous decades. Uh, that said, um, as far as the the first rounds were concerned, um, I believe what it went Drew McIntyre first and then Roman uh, Roman to SmackDown Austin yeah, Roman to, to Raw. SmackDown. Go to Raw. Seth Rollins to SmackDown, and then the yeah, Hurt Business still, to Raw. That was round one. Seth Rollins to Raw, is, or to SmackDown, is obviously a big deal because Seth Rollins has never been away from Raw in the time that there's been a brand split. And so uh, it is going to be interesting to see him back on, or back around Roman. That's one thing to me is uh, I don't know how you avoid that as long as you can, especially with them both being heels uh, and both of them being kind of top of the card heels. And Seth kind of gets inserted into the title picture pretty much as often as they can. I don't know how you avoid that uh, any longer. But I am interested in in a Monday Night Raw without a single member of the Shield for the first time pretty much since the Shield's been around. Mm -hmm. So that was a nice shakeup. That was a nice, interesting thing that they did. Um, And then I also like the Hurt Business getting drafted as a unit. And uh, technically, um, Cedric Alexander is a first-round pick. So... (laughs) Uh, that's cool. I like it. It's interesting. I agree with your point, and and every kind of logical element of my brain agrees. Right? How can you avoid Roman and Seth? But I sense we're all going to find out the answer to that as they willingly avoid it for the next year. Because I think, <laughs> in my mind anyway, I think what happened was um, Rome. They don't want Roman to wrestle too much, right? They want him to be special. You know, the top heel that you see wrestle on the network and, like, you know, in big title matches, which apparently Braun Strowman is uh, tomorrow night. And you can't have that and The Fiend on one show, right? Like, you, that's the same thing you're doing at that point. Seth is, like, the opposite of that in that he is the heel that you put out there for 20-minute matches every week, for better or worse. Like, sometimes it's a problem because he's overexposed. That's just the way it is. So I hate to... I'm not trying to start this with sort of a uh, pessimistic view. I actually thought it went okay. But I do think that we're quickly going to find out that there's no kind of great idea or plan for the, the Roman-Seth dynamic. Because it's a very interesting one, I agree with you. I just think it's for balance and nothing more, unfortunately. Here's how they avoided for so long. They keep doing Seth Rollins against Rey Mysterio. <laughs> That's That feud, it's going on at least until the Rumble, I've decided at this point. Seth Rollins was so excited that, oh, I'm away from Mysterio's, done with this oh, nonsense. Right. And then they just got drafted anyway, and it's like, nope, we're, we're just going to continue this. It's just going to be on Friday nights now. This feud is going to last, again, I, I predict, until the Rumble. That, that's the problem I have with drafts um, 
in general uh, and why I'm not a big fan of doing them as often as WWE does them. Uh, because, like, the idea of shaking things up again it should be to create fresh matchups, fresh feuds. And so um, I truly do feel like you can't – it's not beneficial to do a huge format where you can draft that many people because then you run the risk of moving entire feuds over to the other show and essentially have accomplished nothing. Uh, whereas, you know, like – uh, that's, again, why I was such a big fan of the, the 2005 draft, because the idea of like, oh, you just moved John Cena tonight. And so, like, immediately all your brain is thinking about is, oh, my God, what all, all these fresh mm-hmm. matches have for John Cena, um, what, because he's now in this new environment. Whereas you had that idea with Seth Rollins for all of an hour. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then you're like, oh, he's going to return to the Rey Mysterio and Dominic feud, which I like. I actually do like most of the dynamic there. No, um, Will, no, no. It's gone <laughs> on for seven months it. now. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> wrong. Yeah. When I say I like it, uh, let me let me reiterate by saying that I've liked the new direction it's taken, because I was not a fan of the eye for, uh, the eye for an eye stuff, although the match was okay. Um, and the initial introduction of Dominic um, didn't get me, but then once uh, it started to become clear that this was going to become um, his feud as a wrestler, uh, I very much like that. I like the SummerSlam match and all of that. Uh, and I'm interested in the direction it's taking with with Buddy and Aaliyah. Um, you're the one. So... You're you're the you're the only one. <laughs> well, <laughs> I am. I, am. I, am. <laughs> I I love Dominic. I I think in our draft, I took Dominic like fourth round or something. I love that guy. But the this feud just needs to end. I thought they were going to use the draft, kind of like you guys said, as like, shake it up. This is how we're going to end this feud. Not an actual match or anything. They've done a million matches, but just put them on different brands. That's going to be the end of the feud. Uh, the, the, big, the other big news coming out of Friday night was the New Day split. And Joseph, we were talking about this off air, but... The, the New Day split, they didn't explain it. It was just, we're just going to take Kofi and Xavier, said Raw, and then not take Big E for some reason. Uh, I tried to justify it jokingly as that Raw was like, we saw what Big E did as a singles guy. Uh, he beat Sheamus a couple times. We don't really want him on our brand. That, that's USA Network thinking. The other way to justify it is they did mention, you know, we talked to the superstars beforehand, got their preferences on the brand and everything. Maybe Big E just said, hey, I don't want to be with these guys and, you know, I want to do my own thing. That's another way to potentially explain it. They're not going to actually explain any of this. (laughs) This is one of those cases where WWE was after a moment without the logic. Because there's a number of logical things missing here, which is like, logically, it would have made sense if the picks worked the other way. If, like, Raw... Or you didn't even have to work the other way. You could have had Raw make one pick first, then SmackDown took Big E, and so then Raw's forced to take um, the other two members without Big E because SmackDown took him solo. Um, whereas the way it worked, two things. One, why did Stephanie interrupt their victory? Like, that's not something she did any other time throughout the show. But these guys are celebrating, and Stephanie's like, oh, perfect time to make my announcements. Uh, And also, there is no logical reason. If you are USA Network, and you are looking at the draft pool, and you see the New Day is available, 
Why did you just take? And they hadn't been tag team champions yet when the pick was made. <laughs> Why did you logically take Kofi and because if I'm not mistaken, they showed Stephanie with the picks before that match took place. So, logically, why would you take Kofi and uh, Xavier without Big E? None of that made any sense other than to make for a heart-wrenching moment where uh, Xavier Woods gets to say, say E's name, say E's name. And that was cool. That that got me. Um, but, logically, zero sense. From a draft standpoint, from a presentation standpoint, none of it made any sense. Joseph, why does your mic work? No, we can't hear you. Nope. <laughs> I see a lot of mouthing. Hello. There we go. There we go. Okay, I have no idea what just happened. But <laughs> what I said was, I want to do a conversation about the New Day decision. But first, yes, we need to tackle this. Uh, this is a mess. So we were just talking here off air before you came on, Will, about... There are so many ways they could have done this, right? The the most simple one being that because they were inactive, Kofi and Woods were not on the draft board and were added once they returned. Therefore, Big E could have already been selected. Oh, my God, they got split up by circumstance. Because we saw, like, Elias came back and it was like, okay, he's in the pool. Right? They did that throughout the... So they could have done that. Or, as you said, they could have had E go first with the idea of, like, SmackDown wants to, wants to use Big E as a single asset. Um, stuff like that really takes the shine off like for guys like us that cover this stuff and enjoy the draft like you know what's your big board and all that nonsense stuff like that really hurts the process right it really makes it less interesting so all of that stuff I mean anyone that defends that straight faced is kind of just too accepting of nonsense right that's the truth of it however I do think there is there's a way in which this becomes a positive Folks, I know this is a hot take. Everyone calm down. If you are committed to leaving WrestleMania with Big E as singles champion, the top champion, dethroning Roman Reigns, there is a way in which this move allows him to continue to stand solo. Because I don't want him to drop the New Day identity. I just, there's something to be said for him, like finding his own presentation and then next draft putting them back together when they've got all the belts or whatever, you know? Is that an ideal scenario? No, I'm not going to say it is, but I liked the thing they had with Big E in recent uh, months where he was like the locker room leader. You know the deal where they had all the guys around him at times and stuff like that when Retribution was doing stuff? Um, I like that in contrast to Roman being the sellout that sold his soul with Paul Heyman. And I do think there's a chance that the New Day as a group would alter that dynamic somewhat. So I'm not against this as an idea. It's just I wish the execution was less sloppy. But I sense even that's a hot take. I'm not sure. I agree with you. I think that uh, uh, if the idea is to get Big E to WrestleMania to be the guy to dethrone Roman, um, then there's almost a moment written in itself there, right? That, like, Big E wins the Royal Rumble. Um, he goes on WrestleMania, defeats Roman Reigns, um, and... Uh, in a big celebratory moment, out comes uh, Xavier and Kofi, lifts him on their shoulders. It's a big New Day reunion in the middle of the ring. Um, 80,000 faces on monitors going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and there's your WrestleMania moment. 
um, a New Day reunion moment. It's a big feel-good thing that they're there for their guy. Uh, I think that can create a really good moment. Um, I also do think that there's potential for the idea that, um, assuming WWE decides to uh, keep the continuity fresh in people's minds, but the idea that when Kofi got to... I know. (laughs) Well, again, uh, this is wishful thinking, or at least the way I would write it. But keeping the idea in mind that Kofi got to the WWE Championship with the help of Big E and Xavier. They got him the number one contendership. Um, And so the idea of can the New Day get there again, but this time Big E has to do it on his own. He does not have anybody at his side. There's a good story you can tell there. Mm -hmm. Will they tell it? I have no idea. Um, But I think that there is potential for that story as long as the idea remains that Big E is doing it for the New Day. I think... Yeah, there, there's plenty of stories you can tell with this Big E stuff. When it was when Kofi said he was going to be out six weeks and that turned into 16 weeks and we didn't know when Xavier was going to come back and everything, we were all excited for the Big E singles push. It was going to be like, all right, what's he going to do? We were all talking like WrestleMania. They, they can do this with Big E at WrestleMania. That doesn't really change. It's just now he's just randomly split from Kofi and Woods because they just wanted to randomly split them. Yeah, just just insert some logic into this stuff. And this is why I have no faith in them moving forward is because like they don't even have the logic to to just do this split. We just came up with three four ideas right now that you know we didn't put much thought into and they couldn't do anything when they they knew this thing was coming for at least a week or two. So I they create moments. I've said this a million times. They create moments. They're very great at that. There's rarely when how they get there, it's logical, and then how they follow up, it's logical. But damn if they don't create that moment that makes you feel really good. And I'm, maybe we'll get that at WrestleMania. I hope we do because it does sound great. Kofi and Woods coming down the ramp after Big E dethrones Roman and everything. Big celebration. They hadn't seen each other. They've been on different brands for however many months. And, you know, they do that great moment. But are they going to get there? Let it play out. Let it play out, guys. We'll, we'll see how it plays out. Here's the thing. There's two things. I want to... So I completely agree on the story there with Big E going alone, right? And the idea that he has to... Because I do think that they are lazy enough that if the New Day were trying to guide Big E to WrestleMania, they would literally replicate what they did with Kofi, right? And that concerns <laughs> oh. me. <laughs> So I like that a lot, and I also enjoy the idea, and there's a slight disclaimer with this one, but I like the idea of like Woods and Kofi adapting as a tag team without having E, because he's like the interesting dimensionary team physically, right? He's the big man. Unfortunately, there's no like bruiser teams that we could throw at them and do that with, so that's a whole other thing for, you know, I don't know if you're going to have... Like any teams, much less a bruiser team. Yes. Oh, no. Lucha House Party. Here's an idea <laughs> that I've come up with in the last 24 hours, because last night on RBR we... Um, we realized how many times the New Day has dethroned Cesaro and a partner. Yeah. In that you know, they won their <laughs> first titles from Cesaro and Tyson Kidd. Um, yeah. they, uh, they've faced, lost to, and beaten um, the bar, and now it's Cesaro and Shinsuke. So the idea that now Cesaro has to like go find another partner, and that can be like his life quest, to spend his career trying to dethrone the New Day in some way, shape, or form 
with various partners. It'd be terrible in the sense that, like, it's just another thing Cesaro's doing that shouldn't be, or that he shouldn't be doing. But um, also, I don't know, making maybe, chicken salad. Of... Maybe he can link up with Sean Spears. That guy's still searching for a partner. So bring him True. in there and Cesaro and Sean Spears to dethrone the New Day. I, I love Cesaro. I look, I don't think that's bad, actually. Just to, just give me some substance. That's all I care about. And at least that has some substance behind it. Otherwise, they're just going to... Dude, they're just going to do New Day against Cesaro and Nakamura for five months and just for, for reasons. Woods and Cesaro are going to make Uno jokes. It's going to be great. Uh, I mean, I'm going to pop for all of them, but there, there's going to actually be nothing behind it. Okay, I, I'm getting excited now, guys, because we're, we're getting very <laughs> draft-heavy here, and, and this is this is what I was here for. This is our last go at this, okay? We're going to do draft content. We're doing it now, Jeremy. I'm sorry I'm stopping the show. I'm, let's talk big bald here for a second. How high is Big E on your, like, if you was actually building a roster? Because I'm going to be honest with you, and this is, this is where I may explain my prior take. I think Big E is the most, like, can't-miss top guy in in motion on his way there by far. To the point where I would only take him second to Roman. Am I crazy and is that why I like don't hate the New Day split? Is that what's <laughs> going on here? Help me out on this one. I don't think you're crazy. I do think that The way you uh, said that made it sound like he's a little crazy though. So is <laughs> uh in any other year you might have been. But the issue right now is WWE has a major, almost across all three brands, a major, major, major babyface deficit. It is like there isn't a top babyface. Like, the fact that, and it's not to say he's doing badly, but the fact that, like, Drew McIntyre is on paper the number one babyface in the company is kind of a problem. Um, so you have to, like, if you're looking at the landscape of babyfaces who are around right now, and you ask yourself, who of these guys do I believe I could elevate to try and get there? Yes, Big E, to me, is the answer. Um, because I don't feel like, <laughs> looking across the board, there's anybody else as a top babyface, or anybody on the babyface landscape. There's certain guys who just should be babyfaces right now. Like, I don't understand why AJ Styles is still a heel. But um, uh, just looking at the babyface landscape right now, it really is... Big E, he is the guy right now that is the only one I feel could be the person I could put opposite Roman and it be believable. Joseph, where did you take, or who took Big E in our draft last week? He went second round, right? I feel like he went really high. I think I got I got Big E. I feel people were trying to steal him from me. It was very, very mean. But I, you know, I won't get into that. I don't, I don't hurry. carry sour grapes on this show. It's not my deal. But yes. Sour, sour sure grapes. Sign up to Fightful Select. Alex Pulowski does sour grapes every, jeez, uh, for like every single show. Um, I took him in my, my draft with Sean after I trolled him with my R-Truth pick. I took New Day first overall. And I took all three New Day because why would I want to split them up? You know in our TEW series – Biggie and Walter was my main event before Daniel Bryan went into business for himself and beat Walter and I rage quit. I I adore Biggie. I love Biggie. I hope he gets his WrestleMania moment. Like there's definitely something there with him. Big board, obviously I would take Roman number one. I would probably take Daniel Bryan number two. I feel like we forget about him because he just hasn't been on television lately. I understand the problem with Bryan is like 
we've seen a lot of him. He's been there. He's kind of done that. Big E feels a little bit fresher. I'm still going Brian number two. Big E is top five, maybe as high as number three for me. Most certainly top five. Look, I'm I'm just one opinion. Okay, I, this could this could prove foolish in the coming months, but I think as far as like transcendent stars, guys that could actually connect on a wider. I mean, whatever a casual audience is now at this point, right? Yeah, we None can't do that understand. now because he can't do cameo. He's not on Twitch or... Forget, forget, <laughs> I'm talking about, like, guys I could send out with a microphone and a non-fan could watch and say, I like that guy. I'll tune in again. I will put my money on Big E every single time. Above Roman in that race. Like, when he, Roman's a baby face... I mean, I love Roman, okay, but he's not got a natural charm as a babyface in the way that he was on WWE television anyway, right? That's just where I'm at. Maybe it's a hot take. We'll see. I mean, we probably won't, right? Because yeah, even if it goes terribly wrong, I'll just blame them. I'll, just, <laughs> I'll be like, no, it's their fault. I would have figured it out. But yes, that, that's, that's where I'm at right now. I feel like Roman and Big E is something that you can actually look towards and say, when we get there, that'll be worthwhile. I hope so anyway. Anything else from night one that stood out to you, Will? Um, I mean, another tag team title switch. Jeez. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> um, beyond that, uh, not really. Um, not no other standouts from night one. Night two is really where uh, I've got some uh, irritation. But really? uh, okay, well, let's get in that because I don't know. I don't remember night two. I'm looking at the draft board right now, and I'm just like, there's some picks here. They're fine. Well, the fiend. So the big thing- the big thing everybody's complaining about as far as night two is concerned was the drafting of retribution and oh, how yeah. little that makes. Um, especially when there was a really simple way to do it and they didn't, which was draft Ali and with Ali comes retribution. Yes. Well, That's it. Because <laughs> he's already, because he's, he's a WWE talent. He is somebody who is established on the roster. He is a talent that if you were a USA Network or Fox that you would want on your roster. But with that comes the anarchists he brings with him. That's it. That's all you had to do. But to actually draft the anarchists, no sense whatsoever. But if they draft if they draft Ali, we already knew he was revealed as the leader the week before. So this this is a thing where there's clearly it's no thought put bad. into this. So they knew he would have. They would have come with him anyway. They could have drafted Ali and then done the big reveal on this show, and then it's like, oh, now we've got retribution as well. I've got an idea, Jeremy. I've got an idea. Stop there. <laughs> so you remember when we were talking about how they have no baby faces? Yes. But what if they had just got Ali over as a baby face like a year ago, and then never done retribution ever? We'd be sitting here now, right now with Ali as a top baby face, talking about how he went in the first round. What if we did that instead? Can we do that? Can yeah, we, that would be great. We, we but that? our time oh, yeah, machine absolutely. doesn't go back two minutes, much less a, a okay. whole year. Uh, like, there's ways that I wouldn't have drafted him at all. I would have just had him show up on both shows and just keep destroying shit. That's that's what I personally would have done. And then, but they just drafted him. Then they weren't even on the show after they promised the Ali promo. Just. Oh, yeah. And, and I'm almost like trying to logically <laughs> picture like the the conversation of USA Network executives sitting around <laughs> going, "You know who I really like? Those guys who ruin our flagship show, <laughs> Retribution. We have to have them on Raw." 
Yeah, yes. that's. I assume that's what they're doing. They're like they they cut to commercial breaks early. They ruin our ad revenue. We've we've got to get these guys on our show. I mean, the thing is, they set the precedent for this with the contract angle, right? You remember when they they said, you know, we've got contracts now. Yeah, that that was the start of it. I mean, I could at least it. make some sense of that. In that, no, it's all nonsense. <laughs> Look, here's the truth. They've made 400 documentaries since the mid-90s, and they still haven't figured out what the NWO works. They poke all this fun at my friend Eric, and meanwhile, they still haven't cracked it. They haven't figured it out. They have no idea. There's so many little things that... I don't want to get caught up in NWO stuff here, but there's so many little things you can do to make this stuff, like, allow us to suspend our disbelief, and they never do it on angles like this, right? And the Nexus one, you know, that had its own issues. Granted, I accept the first angle of that was great, but for the most part, man, it's all too pretty to get away with these angles. Like, it never feels authentic or dangerous, right? Like, it's just, you know, some shaky cam and away you go. That's all you get. No, come on. When they threw the cinder block through the <laughs> <laughs> And then they threw another cinder block through the already shattered window. <laughs> this is still my favorite WWE moment of the year. No, it's not. Let's, let's do the drop. You were losing our way. So this is my my fear here. Is I want to do a straight draft show. We were doing it very well, and Jeremy starts. This is where it gets out of hand. Okay, back to night two. Um, this is where strategy became like actually clear as far as what they are doing with both brands. To me, anyway. And you guys might disagree, but this is what I see. I think that in response to what's happened over the last year on Raw. And looking at the fact that Raw undeniably has the weaker champ. We agree on that, right? On, on both male and female, because as much as I like Asuka, that reign has just been... I mean, it's been what it's been, for no fault of her own. And it seems to me they've given Raw, like, the established names that folks like us that cover this stuff probably are kind of, like, halfway at this point. Like, for example, Seamus. I enjoy Seamus. I'm not desperate to see him anytime soon. Jeff, even, is the same thing. But they've given those guys to Raw, and the result is someone like myself may look at Raw and think that looks rather uninteresting. But I think in terms of star power, whatever that means within the modern landscape, I do think Raw has got stronger. Whereas I think SmackDown has got more interesting kind of like, I'd like to see that match. Where are you at on that theory of mine? Do we agree, disagree, what are we thinking? Go ahead, Will. Um... That's a little bit tough because, again, what does star power mean anymore? Uh, in that, who's who's really drawing? Like in the same sense that you could say, like Jeff Hardy is a name that is is recognizable mm-hmm. and things like that. But so is Rey Mysterio. Um, as a matter yes. of fact, I would say probably equally. Um, and if anything, they're kind of the equal but opposites of their brands in that um, they're both recognizable names from agree, the same yeah. time period, and you just basically swap those two. Uh, Honestly, I don't necessarily know what they were looking to accomplish because in a lot of ways I look at Raw and I'm like, oh, this is SmackDown from two years ago. And then I look at SmackDown and I'm like, oh, this is Raw from two years ago. Um, and so there's, uh, in a lot of ways, I, 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 I don't necessarily know what they actually got accomplished because... <laughs> well, <laughs> they just drafted people and didn't accomplish anything. I mean, that sounds about right, honestly. <laughs> Because like one of the big things people talked about for a long time was the deficit of uh, female talent on SmackDown, which isn't necessarily a, a bad thing per se. Yes, I say that because SmackDown's top program is leaps and bounds bigger than 
any program in the women's division on Raw, and that you look at Sasha and Bayley, and there's like nothing close on Raw. Raw could have a thousand female superstars, and nothing compares to Sasha and Bayley in terms of star mm-hmm. power. Um, so it's almost a blessing to SmackDown that they only have eight women on the roster because then it's almost less people to fall. I agree. Yeah. Fall prey to that. Um, but in another sense, again, they didn't really solve any of that. They just like you had Naomi on one brand, you had Bianca on the other, and you just swapped. Uh, you had, and, and again, like I said, it was just more swaps than anything else. And you also didn't do a whole lot in creating fresher matchups because uh, I was very much salivating at the idea of getting the Fiend away from Braun Strowman, and they are literally <laughs> on the same brand again. Yeah. So this is the so here's the deal. I've pulled up here my like half-hearted depth chart. Okay. Oh, all right. These are the top guys on Raw, and when I say top guys, folks, loosely, right? <laughs> don't go after me. It's not my fault. So we have Drew, obviously. We have Bray, AJ, our friend Bob Lashley, Braun Strowman, Sheamus, Jeff. And I would say the only like fresh face that seems somewhat in position is Keith Lee. Now I'm not saying SmackDown is filled with top prospects, but I guess when I say star power, I think what I'm politely saying will is um, people that I no longer care about. I think is what I'm going for here. <laughs> but people that they present as important. Does that make any sense when you hear that list in there? No, I I get you and I agree because I kind of look at it as like former champions almost because they love they love their former champions they love pushing them and stuff so you've got like braun jeff bray even like miz is on the that show kofi is on raw like all these guys are former champions where they can feel like we can get them up there sheamus we can elevate them at this certain point smackdown i mean you've got brian you've got owens but i don't think they see those guys in in that light and then I mean, Ziggler's there as a former champion. Okay, okay. It's stop there, pal. Okay. Hey, Ziggler's your guy. Ziggler's your guy. I think the idea... Is, let's just wait a second. I want to explain this quickly. Because I think the idea is, with the three-hour runtime, the more, like, familiar faces yeah. that are on the show, the less turn-off there'll be. Does that make sense? Because like, I love the younger guys and stuff, but there was a point with Raw, especially during the, the pandemic era, which is a strange turn of phrase for professional wrestling, but it... There was a point where it was like, okay, and then we're going to do Gaza and Andrade, and Alistair Black is up next. And it's like, I'm not saying I'll be more excited to see Sheamus. I'm just saying perhaps there's someone out there that is. I mean, I think the conclusion is a lot of the people in my kind of bubble was like, man, Raw got killed. But I don't think they view it that way. That's, that's what I would say, I guess. That's where I'm at. I, I'm in agreement. I think they think they put more star power, more recognizable names on Raw. Um, and then SmackDown, look, I'm glad SmackDown got who they got because that's the show I have to cover every Friday night and, and talk about. So I'm I'm happy with their picks outside of Lars and, and King Corbin. I love the SmackDown roster. Uh, the women's stuff, though. SmackDown, this is where SmackDown got kind of ridiculed, is they have Sasha, they have Bayley, they have Bianca. Those are kind of the draft picks. Everybody else just got signed as a free agent or whatever. So it's like Carmella, Natalia, Riot Squad. Like that's kind of the the SmackDown depth chart for women. I'm of the belief that they're just doing Sasha and Bailey until whatever the 
event is after WrestleMania. What, I don't know the name. Backlash. Like they're doing Sasha and Bailey until Backlash, and then they'll figure it out from there. Maybe. What do you guys think of the the respective women's roster? Will. Uh, yeah. So, like I said, I, I agree that um, luckily it is Sasha and Bailey, and that has, um, especially for a feud that was so bad just two years ago, um, is is what it is now, and it is probably one of the biggest programs WWE has to the point of where if you want a main event mania with it, you probably could. Um, that said, uh, it's October. <laughs> And Mania is in April. So, like, the idea that, at best, we may get, like, Natalia inserted for a month. Or... Can't wait. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> or we get, like, a uh, kind of a, a false Bianca push for a minute. But beyond that, there really isn't the depth to do anything else with. Because, like, they're not, you know, Riot Squad, They're they're probably going to use them to at least pretend there's a women's tag division for a little bit longer. But, uh, um, so I can't see them necessarily doing a whole lot with that program. So I do think SmackDown ultimately has the weaker program or the weaker roster with the biggest program. Um, raw on the other hand, I still don't know because of course there's a lot of rumors going around about people returning and that, that could also, um, change a number of things, maybe. Uh, I got a big booking idea in in a second, but but okay. okay. Just hold that. Finish <laughs> off, Will, and I want to have yeah, but, you do your booking. <laughs> uh, I think that the Raw roster has more opportunity in it to uh, to create, say, uh, the next, or maybe not the next, but I, I suppose a bigger women's star in that sense, mm-hmm. like somebody who's on the bottom like somebody like a, a mandy rose who who did get over although you did stick her back in the tag team so maybe not um but somebody like a mandy who did get over for a little bit and maybe do an experimental run with her and see where it goes i think you have more opportunity with that on raw and so we could see some fresher names out of that so i do think that raw depth wise does look a whole lot better than smackdown does i have to say that i think so firstly, let's do the Bailey Banks deal because that is interesting. I don't think that will be a feud by the start of next year. And I'm being Jeremy. I know I could, Jeremy. I expect funny faces, but I'm. Being, <laughs> I I personally am watching how they're doing this program on television, and I have to say I think it's bonkers that after all the build they've had here, they are running the like traditional DQ finish on TV playbook. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I don't see this as be like. It, in the summer, you know, when they had all the belts, it was like, man, when they do this, this is a Mania main event. That's how much effort they've put into this. I think the lack of creativity since they actually turned, Bayley, well, not turned, but, you know, they put them against each other, I think has been really disappointing. So I, I'm not sure about that, but I agree that when you look at the roster, it almost has to be, right? It's like, that is the WrestleMania match. My takeaway is that for the last, what, five years, there's been six women. The four horsewomen, Asuka and Alexa. Becky's out, so that gives us five. I, I am very confident that these two divisions will hinge a lot upon those five names for the foreseeable. And, and that's for better and for worse, okay? Because I'm pretty sure that you're, you're going to see Clown Alexa fight Clown Asuka. I think you'll see Charlotte then come back and insert as a baby face. And then on SmackDown, you've got Bailey and Banks. So my concern is 
that there is no intention to elevate a new name. But if they are going to do it, it really seems like it's the time to do it with Bianca Blair. So that's what, that's what I would say. You ready? You ready for this, Joseph? Ready for no, this, I'm Will? Asuka and Lana are facing this Monday on Raw, right? For the women's title. Yes. Here's what you do. Molina and Eva Marie come back. They cost Asuka the title. Lana wins the title, aligns herself with Molina and Eva Marie. You get the new dominant heel women's stable, Lana, Eva, Molina, big stars. They're all over TikTok. They're all over Instagram. You know, Molina used to do the paparazzi gimmick. Eva Marie is on Big Brother and everything. Lana thinks she's a TikTok star. Just like big, big stars here. And then you know who comes back to the throne them, Joseph? You know who comes back to the yeah, throne them will? Right? You know, the throne, the throne. See what I did there? Hashtag bow down. <laughs> the queen returns and takes her rightful spot by dethroning this stable. And then you just do Charlotte Flair as the champion for five years and everything is solved. <laughs> the bit, like, you're, here's the thing is you don't need to do that bit because she's going to come back and beat whoever is champion. Like, it's not a bit. You it's not just, a bit you know, at all. I just booked Marie it. In the Lana. No, get rid of it. Whoever it is, whether it's Asuka or... I mean, who else could even... I agree with what you said, though. Let's get back to... You agree with my whole time. booking. Thank you. Everyone yes. clip that. Say Joseph agrees with the, the Big yes. Star Stable. That's what they're going to be called. BSS, Big Star Stable, Lana, <laughs> Eva, and Draw I'm trying to maximize I'm trying to maximize this moment, okay? So I think creatively they look at this as two big threes, okay? I believe they intend to make Bianca Belair the third on SmackDown. I believe. I think Raw will be Asuka, Charlotte, Alexa. The question then becomes, which supporting cast do you prefer? And do we all agree that Raw is better? Even if, relatively speaking, like a Shayna is a much more interesting match for Asuka than... I don't know, give me a name on SmackDown. Um, Ruby Riot. You know, Carmella is, like, for Banks. You know, like, so I think that's why everyone agrees, kind of agrees that Rory is stronger. But I, I just think it will come down to how good those programs are among the top women because that's what I think they intend to do. I, I, if try to get this thing back on track. I believe that's what, what we're talking about here, right? The women's division? Is that what we're doing? Well, where are we at on the women's division? Have we all given our take by this point? I don't even I, know. I anymore. gave my take. I, I just booked. Okay. I, I just booked the next five years. I'm good. Five years. <laughs> yeah. Charlotte's not, a champion look, for five years. I don't spoil things on here, okay? That may be happening for all I know. I don't know. I don't want to... I, don't wanna I got scoops, it. Joseph. I got scoops. Let's not start that. Okay. Um, <laughs> Anything else division. from the draft, night one or night two, Will? Will, give me your take on the tag divisions. Stacked rosters on either side. We're not talking tag. about the tag division. <laughs> um, I Aren't there collectively, like, Six tag teams. Now. That's that's a little high. And, that's a little and high. Also, didn't they? I felt like they even implied when Lars came out, like a split between Miz and Morrison. So it may be even less. Yes, they did. Uh, so, um, I was so angry at that swap of the tag title. I was like, I had that scoop. You followed me on Twitter. I told you that was going to happen. I was so. There was so many other ways to do that, but like the idea that the longest reigning Raw Tag Team Champions in the Street Profits, a team that's had the belts 
since before the pandemic, mind you, had their belts had their official record-setting reign ended via handing them over to the New Day <laughs> is mind-blowing. The fact that the New Day are now officially 10-time tag champions as the New Day <laughs> simply oh, by having the belts handed to them. Oh, oh it's tough. Yeah, Street Profits are now triple crown champions. They've won the Raw, SmackDown, and NXT tag team titles. Only FTR. Can, can say that. And they earned they it. They don't even need two titles. They, That's the worst part they don't. of this. Is they don't. We they could don't. so easily have two titles. Just one title. Normally one title. <laughs> I have good news, though, on the tag front. When I was doing my depth chart, there are no tag teams. Therefore, I had to start inventing teams for my depth chart. But I have one that's feasible and we can all agree is like a thing that could happen. Shelton and Cedric as the Hurt Business-like team. If we're going full horseman with this, you know, where it's like, you know, you have the, the, the duo within the... That feels like an awesome fit to me. I love the idea of, like, you know, veteran Shelton with, with his kind of... I mean, Cedric isn't... I don't know if I'd say they're similar in ring, but young Shelton certainly had that, like, dynamic style, right? So that could be cool, I think. So New Day versus Cedric and Shelton, can that convince us that it would be good? It could, right? We could do that. I mean, it'd be good, but I don't know... I'd say by like the hundredth time they run it because that's how hurt business yeah. people will be sick of it. Yeah. But uh, it'll be cool first couple times. Okay. I'll take that as a victory for now. Uh, that's all we got on tag teams, right? Is yeah, we're not doing talk? anymore. That's it. For, do you have anything else from the draft you, that you want to get these hot takes out, Joseph? I just, you know, hot goes out to poor Drew McIntyre, who. <laughs> He must be sitting there right now pondering where he's headed. He's thinking, can I get an AJ Styles match in before the clown hits me with his hammer? <laughs> and to that I say, no. You will not get no, AJ. You will be hit with a hammer. By the end of this year, a pay-per-view will end with Bray and Alexa doing like some kind of... I'll not describe the, the scenario, but there's going to be something graphic going on, and there's going to be belts involved, right? Prepare yourself, Drew. Prepare yourself, Will. Prepare yourself, Jeremy. Hold on. End of this year. I'll do you one better. End of this month, I think that <laughs> I think I could see very much so Drew McIntyre beating Randy Orton inside Hell in a Cell, celebrating, and then lights go out. We get creepy graphics all over the place, and then um, he's laid out with a giant hammer, and that is uh, <laughs> that yes. is our view. Yes, because people keep telling me, no, they've figured it out now. Bray doesn't need to be in title pictures. No, he's been moved to Raw so he can be in a title picture. <laughs> this is what they're doing here, Drew. Figure it out, Drew. It's happening to you, okay? The clown, it's coming. I'm, oh, look, there's only so much I can do. I'm just, you're, trying to, you're trying to warn him. That's what you're I'm saying. not a scoop star, but I told everyone that Bray was going to Raw because they knew he couldn't beat Roman, and Bruce has decided that Bray must beat everyone. Drew... You're next, as Bill once said. I move on. <laughs> uh, during the pandemic, AEW has signed a multitude of wrestlers from the independent scene, from WWE, from elsewhere. Will, you have a list of wrestlers uh, I, that they you. have signed, and we are going to grade, I guess, the signings and, and our thoughts on them, and then maybe we'll rank them. We'll, we'll see. But what, what do we got here, Will? You've cooked this up. Yes, I have. So what's important to talk about here, um, just to qualify this list, uh, I am going to qualify this by saying people who um, have officially made their debut following the start of the pandemic. So the first show that AEW did, um, 
uh, in the pandemic was the March 18th show, the one that was scheduled for Rochester. Um, so pretty much anybody who's debuted since then. Um, I will not be including in this list anybody who was not confirmed to be signed by AEW. Uh, so therefore, like Eva Lee said the other day that she signed, AEW themselves haven't confirmed that. So therefore, I won't count her in this list. Yes. Uh, but this list is all wrestlers who um, are now signed to all elite wrestling contracts, uh, having made their debut. I did include Lance Archer in this list, even though he's was officially signed beforehand. He did not. He's never actually competed in a match in front of an AEW full-on audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he made what one appearance in the Salt Lake City show, and that was the last show beforehand. Um, so I'm going to kind of include that one just because he is a pandemic-era wrestler for them. Um, so here we have, uh, we're going to do these in alphabetical order. I have grades ready for each of them. Um, and so bring up my grade, see what you guys think. Okay. Um, we will start with one Alan Angels of the Dark Order. Um, Alan Angels, of course, made his debut uh, during the uh, Nightmare Factory tapings, um, the ones where they had to do pretty much those four shows in a matter of two days. Uh, And, of course, he caused a great deal of discourse across wrestling Twitter by having a five-minute match with Kenny Omega. He then went on to have a pretty good match with Ray Phoenix and then um, was officially joined the Dark Order. I give this signing a in the sense that um, I feel like he's one of those guys that they've made um, they actually made a good deal out of this was somebody that before that match with Kenny I had personally never heard of I had never seen a single um, thing involving him Uh, he went as far as you could expect somebody like that to go with somebody like Kenny Omega and uh, he had a great showing he did have a great showing with Ray Phoenix and then on top of that I enjoy him a lot on BTE um, the, the wig bit with uh with him using his um chili's money to get the hair i think is excellent uh so he's a solid b for me as far as signings are concerned well i think your take is correct but i need to interject to inform you that unfortunately he is in fact an a star because he managed to make people actually go on twitter and expose themselves as (laughs) false so for that reason um while I think your logic is correct, and I agree with your analysis there, I would say that to to have a match in an empty building <laughs> and, and cause such a spark in defeat that people actually like announce themselves as, as idiots on Twitter is quite the achievement. So I would just wanted to inject that. Please continue. Uh, no, so that's all I had. So uh, what's your grade for Alan Angels? I think we're giving him an A because he's exposed right. people on Twitter, right? <laughs> a for yeah. Alan Angels. Should- Jeremy, we should start professional. Let's do this. Let's do this for ten, okay? Okay. I think anything lower than where Will had him is unfair because he's correct. Considering what they signed and what they got out of him on those torrid TV, t- they were tough TV tapings, right? That like they need to fill, and he gave them stuff. I think you're correct with your rating. I mean, I would like to give it an A star, but I want to reserve that for a couple other people. So for that reason, I think a B is fair, Jeremy. Would you agree? A B is fair. Okay, good. All right. Can we well, do minuses and, and pluses? Because I feel like we'll, we'll go like a B minus. I think a absolutely. B minus. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. So I'm still. I have in my my chart here. I do have some uh, a, some pluses and minuses here. Um, but for the moment, 
he is just a solid B for me. Okay. Uh, next we have Anna J, also of the Dark Order. A. Uh, I also gave her an A, solid A. Agreed. Uh, because, uh, a for Anna J. No, um, so she of course came in. Uh, she had the match with Sheeta uh, at the same taping. Um, the only other time we had seen Anna J previously was in that um, Wardlow vignette from All Out in 2019, where she was on his arm, and then he beat up um, Lee Johnson and a bunch of other um, bunch of other guys. But uh, I feel like Anna J in that showing against Sheeta pretty much showed that she's got. Uh, no, actually, she was at the. It wasn't. Uh, I'm now recalling that she made her debut at the second uh, Daily's Place show. So she, and then she was there after that, and they signed her immediately. Um, and she just had a look. Uh, she had presence. And then on top of that, I think adding her to the Dark Order, that was a head-scratcher at first, but it turned out that uh, she has was almost the missing piece. Uh, it, to me, she is a solid A. Um, I think there's really really bright future for her knowing that when she made her debut on television how little she had actually performed in the ring up until that point um, there's so much more you're going to get out of somebody like Anna Jay that is a solid A signing I'm torn on this one because I think when you look at what she brought as, as far as experience goes she was very impressive in her showings right like when you consider where she's at in her career and it's an undeniably good signing for the future. But if I'm looking at what's happened thus far, I'm not sure I want to go A. But Jeremy, you're going to go A, aren't you? Yeah. Because okay, have I, you seen I her on BTE and stuff? She's like yeah, beating up John Silver? I'm out of the loop on the BTE stuff. Oh. I mean, I think she's added... It's just cool to have her in Dark Order. Right? Like It just adds a different element to the group, uh, which is a group that certainly needed a different, different element. <laughs> so I, I personally go B+. Plus. But Jeremy had decided A when you when you said Anna, so that was that's the end of that. As a team, I'll go Jeremy here. I hope he allows me the same the same leniency later. That's all I would say. Okay, okay. That, that's fine. Uh, Jim Ross gives her an A plus, I'm sure. But <laughs> stop right there. Just stop right there and carry on. Uh, all right, so um, this will be the first time, um, but not the only, where I'm not so positive, uh, and that would be one Brian Cage, um, who. I'm going to give a C here uh, at best. And it's mainly because he came in um, strong with the Taz pairing. He won. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply the casino ladder match at Double or Nothing, um, which meant he immediately got to be paired with John Moxley. And there was a lot of interest in that. Like, you look at the, the Moxley Cage promo on YouTube, and I think it, like, topped over a million views. Um, but uh, somebody who's going to come up later on this list, and Ricky Starks, pretty much took all his shine. And uh, at this point, I don't necessarily care at all about Brian Cage. And uh, there's... I, I don't see a place for him. Um, I think because of the order that the things with the FTW championship happened, I don't care about that. Uh, it's a C for me. 
how are we going to do this politely, Jeremy? Um, I do not, have never, and will never get or understand Brian Cage. I do not understand the signing. I'm, I never am this way. I'm, I'm seriously not. But when you just said the phrase you said there, if I don't see his place, you couldn't capture it better where I'm at. Like, I just don't get the idea of a guy who looks like that but then wrestles that way. I mean, we're talking about, they have now, they have Brody, who obviously we're going to get to these guys. They have Archer. They have, like, big, tall guys who can do cool stuff. But Cage isn't a big, tall guy. He's a big, wide guy who looks like, and God bless him, because he's you know, open about it, so I'm happy to say it, but he looks like people's, like, stereotypical idea of the wrestler. Right, like he has that look. Oh, for sure. Like if you just took like his silhouette, you could use him for like bacon. That is, that is Brian Cage. I will give Brian Cage a C for what he's done on television, an F for what he's done on social media, and we'll we'll round it off to a D. Yeah, cosine. I don't know what he's done on social media, but I was gonna give him a D plus. That's fine, me, bro. All right, D plus. That that sounds good. Yes, that's good. Um, I, I actually skipped one. This will be really quick. Uh, and this one is uh, a, a D I have here. But um, Abaddon uh, hasn't really added much at all. Yeah, she had that she match had... against Anna Jay, which was surprising when she won. And we haven't seen her since. I know. Yeah. So it's that's weird. it. Why do the match... If he wasn't going to like use her again, it's such a that was a strange choice, right? Like I like the idea of this promote someone, and then the surprise is the person she's facing is the actual victor. She's the one who we're going to push. Unfortunately, they didn't want to push after that, so it was just a waste of time. Yeah, um, it's hard to write anything more than that. I mean, I like the character and the idea. I just it, there's nothing has been done with it, right? It's interesting because the first time I had ever seen Abaddon was when she faced Takarashita uh, on Dark in Denver, which is where I live. Um, and I was at that show, and mm-hmm. it was interesting because Abaddon is from Denver, and uh, but I guess I, I had missed some of, I had missed her completely. She completely fell off my radar. But a lot of the audience there knew who she was, so she was like really over with this arena, and um, and so I was thinking like there there could be something here, at least as far as live audiences are concerned, because I see how much a live audience is into her. Without a live audience, I don't know what else you can do. So, therefore, yeah, yeah my hands are thrown up on that one. Abaddon is, it's it's a shtick that I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of shelf life to. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll just give her credit for the, in the sense that, like, she stands out, right? <laughs> like, I'll give her that. It's At least it's an idea rather than just being, you know, insert wrestler name, come out and do the blow kiss deal. You know, it's not that. Credit for that. Thumbs up. I need to see more, but for now, I think we're fine with a D, right, Jeremy? Yes. Saying that, we want to give a higher than Brian Cage. D plus. Well, then C minus if we're going higher than Brian Cage. <laughs> Didn't we give Brian Cage a D? I thought we upgraded a D. You oh, gave okay. him a D Carry plus. <laughs> we're now stressing about Abaddon and Brian Cage. <laughs> Let's get to the good stuff. Let's carry on here. All right. Getting to the good stuff. One I will personally say is the great stuff, and that's Brody Lee, um, yes. who... Uh, I believe came in, you know, he came in, he pretty much turned around an angle that uh, people were so down on. You think about that December 18th episode of AEW Dynamite and how it went off the air and how um, pretty much that was the doom and gloom for AEW. That was the moment everybody said it's over. NXT's won. AEW had their few weeks, but it's 
it's officially the company's over. Um, and uh, and then of course the next week they they brought in the idea of the exalted one. And everybody's like, wait, I want to know who this exalted one is. Uh, and it was all these guesses all over Twitter. Um, it turned out to be Brody Lee. Uh, his debut moment without in, in utter silence was still an excellent, excellent moment. Uh, and then of course they ended up being handed a crappy situation with the with having to do the um, uh, the Nightmare Factory tapings as we talked about. But uh, he was there for all of that, and so that allowed him to basically get to be made strong he got to have a he got to build a, a there's an of earthquake oh. happening in my house right now sorry but <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, he got to build essentially a, a whole lot of victories in a very short amount of time and uh um they got to make the best out of a crappy situation with the moxley stuff uh where he was still kept strong in a match with moxley he was according to moxley he wasn't intended to be the original contender for that match um but even still he had a whole bunch of victories, so why not? Yeah. Uh, and then he got the Cody victory. And just in the way he's turned the Dark Order around, the way that people have... The way the entire narrative around the Dark Order has changed and the way he has turned out to be a solid performer um, and that I know he has his detractors like Jim Cornette, who just isn't a fan at all. Whatever. Um, but other than that, like when you think about the fact that he had a killer match with Moxley, killer match with Cody... Um, a killer match with Dustin, a killer match with Orange Cassidy, uh, and the character work is strong. He's uh, honestly the best type of pick you could ask for. A plus for me. I share your excitement and enthusiasm. However, I'm going A minus. Jeremy, you can talk me off this one. I felt the character work was a little heavy-handed initially. Remember the initial stuff with the suit and the... Yes. My Brody Lee tape would be, since he's been allowed to wrestle competitive matches, he's reminded everyone of why we were all so excited for him to get out of WWE. The Dustin match, one of my favourite Dynamite matches. The Cody match, the ring match, one of my favourites. The initial moment where he squashed Cody was a great moment, Right. And then you add the Moxley match. There's only so low I can go based on the fact I didn't like free vignettes. So I, I want to be clear. I, I love it. But <laughs> you do on the just... vignettes, by the way. I do yeah. think that, um, like, the first one was like, oh, ha, ha, ha. They took a cute, cute little jab. Right. And then the second one was like, okay, don't do this again. And then they only <laughs> did one other one after that. Mm-hmm. So it's like I can't necessarily hold all that against. I almost can't hold a whole lot from those Nightmare Factory tapings against them because, like, I recognize how – in a yeah. very short amount of time, what they did. I get that. No, that makes sense. I just... I think that took away the shine from his signing somewhat, is why I would take the grade down, just because of that. I mean, as soon as he got able to like just be himself, he's so great. Yeah. He's so great at wrestling like a big man. Still, He does the cool moves, and that's all fun. But when Brody Lee sells... He sells like a horror movie villain, right? The, his eyes will go wide. He's rocking, but he's he's sublime. I mean, he's that match with Cody was just was great. So, I love Brody, and he's one of the best guys to have. I just would say, thus far, if I was being harsh, I would go A minus. Where are you at, Jeremy? I would go A. Um, I'm not holding those early vignettes. They were, they were way back in March. I know that doesn't feel that long ago, or it feels forever ago, but it wasn't that long ago. Um, <laughs> I won't completely hold that against them. So I 
I got to reserve my A pluses for the guys who, you know, really, really deserve it. I'm not, I'm not just out here tossing out five stars to everything, <laughs> you know. So I, I will go an A for Brody. Lee. Okay. The sun is beginning to come across. Your yes, screen. yes, it, it is Will. about between three and three thirty, so the sun will come in now on me. Um, so this is one where I'm curious where we all stand because I have a feeling we may not all be on the same page. But FTR uh, made their debut the night after um, Double or Nothing. They or the Wednesday after Double or Nothing, uh, and. They had. They initially came in as baby faces. Uh, they worked a couple of ba- baby face programs, very short ones, with the Lucha Bros and Butcher and the Blade. They then turned heel uh, on um, the Legends when they attacked uh, the Rock and Roll Express, and uh, then went on to become number one contenders by winning a uh, gauntlet, beat Kenny and Hangman for the tag team titles, and are now the AEW World Tag Team Champions. I am going to give this signing a B in that uh, I am not as down on FTR as I notice a lot of people have become. I do think that they work well, um, but I also think that they are... They were the top acts in a place where tag team wrestling wasn't valued. And when when you think of AEW and you think of its tag division, this is a tag division that um, has main evented multiple shows. You think about the fact that SCU's title win was the main event, and they had title defenses in the main event uh, a couple of times. The December 18th show we mentioned that was uh, a the main event was a tag team title match between the Young Bucks and SCU. Um, Kenny and Hangman had multiple main events. Like there were many times where you could say. Thinking about the tag team titles, um, this these are main event worthy titles being held by main event worthy tag teams, and for the first time since AEW's inception, I don't feel like I could put the tag titles on last because they're on FTR. I don't feel they are a main event act, and uh, I didn't think I was going to feel that way with them coming in. I was very excited about the idea of them being signed, and I do think the performances have been good, but I also think that they have almost brought the division down a peg. That's very interesting. So I, when you said them, I was thinking B+, plus was my instinctual reaction. I think we would all agree it hasn't been perfect, right? It hasn't been sort of idealistic. I mean, for a lot of reasons. Part of it's the circumstance. It doesn't help. I think that in terms of character and promo and the kind of segments they've had, this has been, for the most part, a disappointment. In the sense that I don't expect these guys to come in and be like, you know, over-the-top characters, but they are actually having very, like, mid-card, prelim uh, angles for their title programs, which is where I agree with you on taking it down a notch, 100%. In terms of the matches, the big one that we all wanted to see at the pay-per-view, I thought was good, but it didn't reach that next level for me. You know, five Omega. hours. I didn't have a problem with it. I just I didn't think it was great. So as much as I like them and I like you am not as down on them as others, really man, when you look at what they've done it, they're a B. Like, that's what they are, I think, objectively. I think people would go, you know, oh they're a C minus. 
And I think that's just... Like, they've had a lot of good matches. The question is, have they had one great match since coming to AEW? And I would say I'm unsure. <laughs> I don't know. The Bros match was good, but... Yeah. If, I would even border on almost great. I yeah. will I will go a B minus. So I'll, I'll give you... If you want to go a B, Joseph, I will, I will give you I do. a B. Okay. We, we can go a B. Oh, okay. I, they've been good. They've done very good matches, but the angles and stuff just haven't hit with me at all. And we've talked about... Uh, Joe and I were talking about this off air. Like I feel like they've lost the plot on this Bucks and FTR feud. I don't know where they're going with that, but... Yeah, I, I, we can go a B. Well, how many more do we have? Because we still got to talk Halloween Havoc, and I don't mean to, <laughs> to rush things, but we, we got, we're up against a clock here. Okay. Uh, and Joseph's going to spend 20 minutes praising Eddie Kingston, so I've got I've well, to account for that as well. Eddie Kingston's next, by the way. Okay. Um, so no we're... rush, Will. Let's go for this. Let's, <laughs> Let's enjoy ourselves. Uh, Eddie Kingston. Um, I'm going to give an A in the sense that I believe that so, he's had really no high-profile wins, but um, yes. <laughs> he has come in and basically become such a major part of AEW in a short amount of time. He came in and had that match with Cody, um, lost, but everybody wanted to see more of him, and he got signed, he started a faction, and he's now, um, I assume, in position to challenge John Moxley. Um, again... Nothing high profile as far as like a victory is concerned. He still hasn't had one of those, but he is in place to be uh, such a big deal in AEW, and you always look forward to hearing him talk. Uh, I I believe it is a solid signing for them, and I am excited to see what happens with him. So for me, it is an A on Eddie Kingston. If I could, I would create a new scale for this rating. <laughs> this is, I mean, I honestly think. And, and I know this has become my bit here on the podcast, but, like, when you consider what he has done on that show, with the addition of the fact that, as you said, he has not won, but win on, on Dynamite, it's remarkable how good he is at TV wrestling. And what I mean by that is, we just about Revival, FTR, like, give him a microphone. The best example being the Moxley show, right? Him and Moxley, one minute, Ed, that's what you got on the microphone, go. Sold everyone on that match. He's been extraordinary, and I think he's probably... I mean, I may be forgetting stuff here, so I apologise, but I would say he's been the standout story of, of 2020 in many ways, because when you look at where he started the year, I mean, I think credit to NWA for featuring him. I enjoyed their show very much. But like in hindsight, he wasn't even a top guy for the NWA. He's now set to basically headline a pay-per-view with John Moxley. <laughs> this is, to me, he has to be the top mark. A plus, A star, however you want to say it. Jeremy, don't disagree with me on this, right? This is No, nope, whatever you say, you are you're the Eddie Kingston uh I, I don't want to say truther, but you you're the Eddie Kingston aficionado. hype man. Yeah, aficionado. Yes. There you go. So I, I just go by whatever you say on him. I love Eddie Kingston. Yeah. I think he's been great. I will give him whatever Joseph wants to give him. A plus, A plus plus, A plus gold star, A plus smiley face, gold star. whatever you want to yeah, do. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think we all agree he's been great, though, right? Yes. He's, he's been amazing. Yes. All right, we got a few more here, um, and we'll talk about the guy who challenged for the All Elite Wrestling World Championship just last night, Lance Archer. Um, I'm giving him a B. I think that uh, I was in the audience for the the Jake Roberts debut, and that 
was just kind of like insanity. You know, audience was going crazy. We're like, oh my god, it's Jake Roberts. And the promo against Cody was was great in the way he talked about him coming to take your share. And of course, then they were dealt the hand where um, everything had to take a pause. But luckily, he was there for all of that, so he got to uh, get some good victories. He got to to yeet Marco Stunt into um, a crowd of people and. Uh, I thought that the feud with Cody was good. Um, but then he mostly fell off the radar after that, uh, after he took the loss. I thought everything building up to double or nothing, I was very much into. And then, yeah, he fell off the radar. Uh, he got to win the Casino Battle Royale. Uh, and then got COVID. And so, again, um, we missed him for more time. Uh, I do, you know, one of my favorite things is him just beating the crap out of people while Jake Roberts calmly speaks. Um, like, I love that visual of just this anarchy happening on screen, and Jake Roberts is just calmly describing things. I absolutely adore that. He's a B in that I enjoy watching him, but he hasn't done enough for me to give him any more than that. I would agree with your rating because in fear of sounding dismissive, I think he kind of is what he is at this juncture. And and what I mean by that is with Brody Lee, I got the sense that when he was unlocked in a new environment, there was a ceiling there that was really special. And I don't mean to say this sort of, I like Lance Archer, but I don't think that's the same thing with him. I think he's very good. He could have good matches. And with Jake, he's a fun character to have on the show. I just don't know if he's ever the guy that you look at and say, okay, it's time to do the Lance Archer, like, super push, right, where he has the belt for long. I just know he's that guy. I think he's a main event player on his size and ability, but when you start kind of, you know, I'm not sure we're ever going to have a match of his where it's like, man, that was really, that show stole stole the show. Stole the show, that's what I was going for. Stole the show. And that's fine, because he's a big man, and he does awesome stuff, and he pulls mean, mean wrestling faces fine with me i'm cool with all of this i just don't think he can go higher than a b so i i'd agree with you jeremy you agree i think b is fine i feel like they heat up archer for big programs and then otherwise he just kind of beats a bunch of nobodies and that's fine but then he always loses these big programs so i mean i could even go maybe a b minus even but b is fine i'm just look i'm i'm tough i'm a tough grader all right the toughest grade is coming next by the way Okay. Uh, because next on our list, Miro. <laughs> um, I don't know where any of this is going. So at the moment, the best I can do is a D. Uh, mainly because like, he looks good. Uh, that's it. That's all I can <laughs> offer. Just looks good. <laughs> I mean, he does. He, it does look good. Yeah. The handsome man, Miro. Joseph, where where do you give him Miro? I mean, this is this feels very disrespectful because I really like Miro, but like I'm looking at like an E plus. Wow. <laughs> I'm going, I'm going. Look, here's the thing, okay? His initial match was not good in any way, shape, or form. Awful. And now he did a squash match last night, and it's like, okay, that's better, but that isn't actually his skill set. To me, this is my opinion on Miro. What always amazed me about Rusev now Miro was that he could really sell. And he was a guy who, at that size and that athleticism, he actually got it, and he had an idea for, like, subtlety in the ring. So when you have him just sort of going crazy about an arcade game <laughs> and beating him up, like, it's just... He's any other guy at that point to me. 
So I would give him an E-plus on the fact that he looks cool. I think his promos have been mostly bad. And I want to, I want to cap, cap all of this off with a reiteration that I like Miro. I'm very sorry. I didn't want it to be this way. But he's just been nothing. He already feels like just another guy to me. He's gonna, and that's the worst thing. If he, he's happy with that, it's fine. But he's going to bury us on Twitter after this. I'm giving Miro an incomplete. Because I think the jury is Coward. still out Coward. on Miro. I like this video game stuff. Look, do I think this is the best? Do I think this is the best use of Miro? No. Do I enjoy it though? Yes. So I I'm yeah. fine with this Miro stuff. I enjoy as I've been going off on Twitter about uh, the fact that I do think that uh, Street Fighter the movie is a cinematic masterpiece that doesn't get nearly enough credit as being one of the greatest films of all time. <laughs> Uh, and so the fact that he is incorporated into his gimmick elements from that movie, including um, his shouting game over, which he, do, he did absolutely say was a direct reference to Raul Julia shouting game over after M. Bison blows up uh, Guile's boat in uh, Street Fighter, the movie, I'll take it. That's the <laughs> only thing I'll give him a little bit of a, a boost on. But I need to know where this is going. I feel like it's got to be headed somewhere. Uh, and I feel like the payoff won't be till like whenever they decide to do the wedding. Um, so I can agree with that incomplete in a sense, but for now, I haven't really enjoyed much of what I've seen on TV. All I would say is, and I don't want to dwell on this one, but all I would say is, I like the AEW roster very much. However, they have about five guys that could, on a good day, be described as cool, okay? <laughs> I would not take one of those and put them with my friend Kip Sabian and an arcade machine. That's all I'm saying, okay? It's not, a re- it's not him... It's the presentation and the way it's been done for me. So that's where I'm at. All right. Uh, just a few more here. Um, Matt Hardy. Uh, <laughs> oh, this is getting tough. <laughs> yeah. So I will say that once he ditched the uh, the broken stuff and the, um, the the character transformation stuff, I think his mic work is very solid. Um, I like Stadium Stampede. But otherwise, this run has been really snake bitten. Uh, and I still don't really know what he brings to the table. And so... Uh, I'm at the moment at a, a D plus on Matt Hardy. This one feels tough because it, a lot of it's bad luck, right? And I, you know, it's one thing for me to poke fun at like Miro's stuff, but it's like poor Matt. He's just trying his best out there, man. Like he's really trying. He thought the fans wanted broken Matt. He sensed they didn't. He became normal Matt and tried to do like stunt matches. Bless his heart. I mean, he's a D-plus for me, too, because Stadium Stampede was awesome. And I'll just, for the sake of friendliness, credit him for that. <laughs> but, like, it's been a nightmare, right? Like we can all be, I think he would agree with that. It's just been a disaster thus far for a range of reasons, many of which aren't his fault. But, yeah, it, it can only be... I think D-plus is about as generous as we can be here, right? If we're being honest. Yeah, D-plus is even kind of generous but i'll be i'll be nice i'll be nice about things because i like matt hardy and i i think he has good ideas that they just have not come out on this show for one reason or another and i don't think all of it's his fault but yeah his run has done literally nothing for me nothing at all and I, I'm someone who liked the broken stuff, and it didn't click with me at the, the beginning of this AEW run. So D-plus is fine, if that's what we're going to go with. Yep. Um, and then there's one where I'm actually going to be a bit generous, uh, and that's Preston Vance, um, a.k.a. 10, uh, of the Dark Order, in that um, he was basically circumstantial because uh, here came 
Brody Lee and his big debut at the start of the pandemic. And then uh, right as right after this all gets going, um, the two original Dark Order members of Evil Uno and Stu Grayson get stuck in Canada for the next three months. And so uh, at that point, they essentially had to make other Dark Order members. And so Preston Vance is one of those guys that they just kind of had and uh, they put a mask on him and made him a bit of a Dark Order muscle dude. And so I'm going to give him a B just because they made the best of a bad situation while they didn't have the original Dark Order members. And it's worked. Preston Vance, B. Yeah, I mean, I would agree you've been generous there, Will. I think that's fair to say. No, he's, you're right. You are right. He's, I mean, when you take something like that and you get any TV time out of it, it deserves some credit. I'm fine with a B. I mean, I'm not. I can't remember like a ton of like. Oh man, that was a, that was a great dark order show. Him for, for our, <laughs> it is what it is. It's, you know, it's difficult to stand out by design that way, right? It's not. It's not there for that. So I would agree with you. I think a B. In terms of maximizing the asset, yes, I think a B. I think that's what it is. Like he's a role player. They don't think him think of him as anything Knocked more. Shots. Yeah, he comes down. He knocks down. You're not going to grade Danny Green on the same scale you grade LeBron James, right? Like that's... you should check out the Lakers. Sub, yeah, I know. I'll leave that one there. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I understand too because I think Preston Vance is a really good look, and he is a good like powerhouse type wrestler. And it's one of those things where hey, we don't have anything for him now, so let's throw him in a mask and call him ten, and in a year from now if you know we decide we want to do something with him you can reintroduce him as anybody else and and take the mask off of him and still have something solid with him so i think it is a good signing as far as making the best of a bad situation i would agree that's a good point um now my favorite uh i almost want to take back the a plus from brody because i feel like you can't for me get bigger than this a plus but uh, I am absolutely giving an A plus to Ricky Stark. Nope. Nope. Sure. F. 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 Has come through um, at every turn. I feel like Ricky Starks was uh, was on a few people's radars. Not a whole lot, as far as you know. He came in. He did the. Um, the open challenge for Cody and uh, he immediately comes in with some really cool music and a, a really solid looking entrance and they they, I feel like they struck gold with Ricky Starks I feel like he's a good talker, he's a good worker um, so much so that they started a program with Brian Cage and uh, Darby Allen but it became very clear where the money in this program actually was and so Ricky Starks got paired with Taz, and uh, he ended up having a killer match with Darby Allen. I feel like there is thus far, and I'm curious to see what you have to say about that, Jeremy. Um, but uh, I feel like there's so far been no downside to Ricky Starks, and I feel like the, the sky is the limit for dude. Um, I think he was the best finding they had in the pandemic. Joseph, okay, go ahead and praise Jeremy him. Goes, praise yeah, him. I'll, I'll do it. Oh, I agree with you. I'm, I'm at the same point. I have him and Eddie both at the top of the of the chart here. I think Ricky Starks is not only great now, but he has joined that like kind of, you know, the uh, the Sammy MJF Derby group of like these are our guys, these are our core guys. And I would argue he's not only joined that group, he may be like leading that group in some elements, especially in terms of like all round 
figuring it out. He gets over immediately, first time you see him. I am just, all I would say is, eventually he'll be a baby face, and things, that'll be something to see, because I think that could be, like an MJF versus babyface Ricky Starks program, way, way down the line, could be could be some great stuff. So, I'm with you, Jeremy, uh, Please continue with your with your bit here. I gave him I gave him an F. I don't know what else I need to, to say. I, you know what? F is kind of harsh. F minus. I think you should get an F minus. Actually, um, he. That's it. He gets an F minus. Okay. Well, and anything else to say about that? Okay. He's a distraction all star. You know, he's been on this program. He's I don't know who who is Ricky Starks. Who is <laughs> well, Ricky Starks? All right. Well, Never heard okay, of him. The, I, I've never honestly seen him perform or anything, so <laughs> F minus. Okay, fine. This is fine. That is not a team rating on that one one particular name. We are having different ratings. I want to be clear. I love yeah, Ricky. I, I, he gets he gets an A plus, of course. I mean, praise Ricky. Get out of here. Uh, and then just a couple more. Uh, we have Serena Deeb. Um, you know, I, I think. You know, for what she could bring to the table, um, she could probably help improve the division quite a bit. Uh, so I'll at least give that a B minus. Not That's a whole lot. She's had like Not one her. match, I feel like, maybe two. Great signing, but yeah, it's, it's too early to, yeah. to really go wild about it, right? Um, we also have Tay Conti. Same kind of thing. She, she's she's exciting. The... She's got upside. She's yeah. yeah, there's upside, upside there. I'll give that one a B, as in there, there's a lot I could see for that. Um, and I think she may even end up with a match at um, full gear, it looks like, uh, in that they seem to be putting on the table as they're aligning Brandy with Red Velvet doing the a match against Tay and Anna Jay. So that could be something. Um, <laughs> Jeez, they want to pay you go, how many hours? Good old, I need to get my seatbelt on for that one. Okay, continue. <laughs> and finally, Will Hobbs. Um, that, to me, isn't a signing. Um, again, one of those diamonds in the rough kind of things where uh, I remember the first time I saw him work a match on Dark, I was like, wait, 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 this isn't like all the other jobbers here. Like, this is one I almost don't even believe could job. I mean, be a jobber because he yeah. he's so solidly built. And they were smart about like protecting him in jobbing. Like, I remember he did the match against Scorpio Sky, where Scorpio cut down that kick down the door promo that went nowhere. Um, <laughs> but uh, he. You know, it was pretty much like Will Hobbs is just kind of dominating and Scorpio Sky getting kind of a flash victory. And same with then he had the match on Saturday Night Dynamite with uh, with Darby Allen. And again, it was one of those, like, protective kind of victories. And so it was clear, like, they see something in this guy. And, yeah, this is one of those guys that, again, I think AEW has been doing a really good job building almost like a host division. And if you're going to do that uh, and you're going to sell us on big, meaty men slapping meat, I feel like... Will Hobbs is the guy you could make the face of that. Yeah, I think you add him to that that aforementioned core group of guys, right? I think that's where he is. I think one of the coolest things about Will Hobbs is that he's, his offense is actually like power moves, right? There's an explosion. It isn't, you know... Uh, another name that was on this list earlier. You know, yeah, Will like Hobbs is, is who they want Brian Cage to, okay, to be, who you think of. <laughs> yeah, yes, that's true. Will Hobbs isn't out here doing 300 flips and wrestling like a luchador and stuff with his look. I mean, he's very athletic, but he actually wrestles like a big power guy, and it's great. He's explosive. He has great energy. He's like a, 
a super diamond in the rough signing. Like, yeah. It's almost unfair, right? Like, that term almost feels like it's below him because he looks polished almost at this point. And he's only been around for a moment, so on AWS. So, um, and A feels like it kind of has to be that for him, right? I mean, just considering where he entered, like, he's already one of the guys that I think on their depth chart comes in a lot higher than he would have expected two months ago. So, yeah, I think an A. Yes, I I will rate Will Hobbs higher than than Ricky Starks. Everybody's higher than Ricky Starks. Yeah, and so, um, yeah, we wanted to do this because think about all those names I named in the fact that when you watch Dynamite, that is a lot of the core show. And yeah. just the fact that so much of what exists on Dynamite did not exist in front of crowds, did not exist, uh, you know, just seven months ago. And they've really made a lot of this show out of guys that they've had to pick up in a pandemic. So, um I guess overall it's a thumbs up. Uh, I don't feel like I gave too many negatives there, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I do feel like overall they've made some solid pickups, and uh, I think it's just going to make the show better from there. I agree. I mean, I think it, this always sounds like an underhanded compliment when I say it, but one of the things that's been impressive about AEW is that, is that they've been actually like truly competent in almost every area. And I, I've been experienced in the idea that these promotions would not be that way, right? And I don't need to name names. We know what I'm talking about. We're going to get to a monster truck battle in a minute. So I'll get to that. But <laughs> they've been very co- – and they've done smart moves. And I agree with you. Even some of our lower ratings, I think we all agree, could be higher within the next few months if something changes, right? Like, we all agree Miro is a great signing. It's just what they do with them. So I, I think that actually is a great point. And it also speaks to the reality that at this point – Dynamite has existed longer in the pandemic than it did before the pandemic, which is just, I mean, insane. But I don't know, it seems like it's not going to change anytime soon. So here we are. I think mean, that's a good point, definitely. Let's get into the monster truck battle. Our retro review this week from Halloween Havoc 1995 Hulk Hogan against the Giant. First in a monster truck battle and then in an alleged wrestling match. So <laughs> the, the monster truck battle. My favorite part about this is. They're welded together. They have the welder there, and he does like the, the little welding for like two seconds. Like that welded, it's good. It's all it's all locked up. They're good. Yeah. They go around this ring. There's explosives around the ring. They're very concerned that you know the truck might blow up. Someone might die. Uh, the explosive goes off. Fortunately, no one dies. Giant looks like he wins it a couple times. Doesn't Hulk Hogan wins? Thoughts on this epic, epic clash of this monster truck battle, which I swear to God lasts at least half an hour. So uh, I've always had an issue with the fact, because uh, I had attended WCW shows when I was a kid. And uh, one of the things that I always held against WCW um, that I will always give WWE credit for, and AEW is very good at it as well, having attended, is that WCW stinks, stunk anyway. <laughs> WCW stunk at producing a show for the live audience in the arena. They did a good television show, but they didn't necessarily know how to produce for the arena. And this is one of those moments that it took me back, and I was almost having, like, convulsions watching this. Like, I I remember I went to Spring Stampede one year, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm just sitting here doing nothing, and they're not doing anything to address the crowd. They're just showing me stuff on the screen. And this is one of those moments where I felt so bad for this audience in Detroit um, where I'm like... What are you doing? You're showing, and this is going on forever, and you're doing nothing for that audience in the arena to even make them a part of this. 
Also, how do you work something like this? I was curious about that as well. Um, in that, like, how do you get yourself in the position to, to lose that way? I don't know. Um, so I guess some props in that regard. Otherwise, man, this felt like it was going on forever. It was a sumo match, by the way. It was a, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's sumo rules with monster trucks. So here's the thing here. It's when you watch this, it becomes incredibly clear that no one should have ever attended one of these events. <laughs> and I don't say that because I'm anti-WCW. It's quite the opposite. When you listen to the men that they would put into these announce booths and the content they produced <laughs> in audio, is, it would be a shame to ever be live. This includes <laughs> the Eric Bischoff quote. And this is a direct quote. As Eric is coming to grips with what the man has to do in a monster truck, he says, and I quote, I tell you what, this has got to be like flying the space shuttle. It's a direct <laughs> quote from Eric as he ponders what Hulk Hogan is going through in the midst of a monster truck sumo match. We have Bobby Heenan saying we always expect Hogan to be slow and he never lets us down. <laughs> this is all going on, okay? Bobby at one point just deadpan is just like, this is exciting. And he couldn't sound less enthused. And finally, when the match itself, match, you know, again, used loosely, Bobby says, I tell you, WCW's changed the course of wrestling. And never a truer statement has been said, <laughs> because moments later, the giant plummets off a of Cobra Hall. Yes. This is extraordinary. I mean, it's so bad in so, every way. So Hogan, Hogan wins, and then the giant, they get out of their trucks. Hogan is a coward, running away from the giant. They're fighting at the ledge. They're on top of the ledge. Hogan breaks the grip, and the giant does his, I don't know thing and then he just falls okay. and and hogan acts like he cares but of course he doesn't and then they show the lake and that's what he fell into i guess and he's just he's dead they cut back to the announce booth eric bischoff is distraught he has no he's got to go he's gonna go up to the roof of kobo hall and see what's going on here um just the giant's <laughs> dead everyone <laughs> eric, oh, yeah, the giant's dead yes terry oh, went straight from you know, this is the most exciting thing to happen in our business when straight faces to, <laughs> oh, my God, somebody just died on our show. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this wasn't supposed to happen. No, of course, Hogan is Hogan. Uh, mustacheless Hogan, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's very weird to see that. <laughs> but uh, Hogan being possibly one of the worst actors in the history of the business. How dare uh, you? Um, and, you know, the idea that, as soon as the the giant falls and Hogan gets in the, mo- the mode of, oh my god, I shouldn't have done that, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and then like just starts running. The music, somebody get help! Yes, and then in the backdrop to him doing that, you have Bischoff who just for twenty seconds just says no, no, <laughs> no, and then it cuts back to the shot that they love of the announcers and Bobby says. So they've got the monster truck, like, expert in between them. Who was this man? I didn't know who this was. He was the monster. He was there for... Yeah, he was the monster. He was just the monster truck expert. So bless him. He's there in the middle of these He was telling us that Hulk Hogan was steering the front wheels, and there was somebody else steering the back wheels. Like, is this how monster trucks work? Bobby asks, and I would suggest this is a fair question. He says, what side of the roof did he go off? Yeah. The water side... The street side, the what? And Bischoff is irate at this. He says, you've got a parking lot or a river. What difference does it make? <laughs> I don't know, okay? Maybe Bobby wasn't prepared for this. 
He's, this is pretty unique circumstance. I think this, well, they show it. they show the river to make it sound like that's where he fell into. But when Hogan comes out for his uh, promo for the match, he's dressed in all black because it's a funeral, and he tells he tells Buffer he's like he fell off the he fell into the parking lot. I got checked the parking lot, and he's, he's on, gone. Hang on, we need to go back. Wait. So poor Tony Schiavone is drafted in at this point, right? Like, go on, Tony. You want to know a cool wrestling match after this man has just built. And Tony Schiavone has one of the best quotes. This should be framed in museums. Because Tony is watching, I think, Randy Savage come out. And he says, obviously, the giant fell off the roof of Kobo Hall. We all agree that is obviously what just happened. Yeah, right? yes. that is correct. Mm-hmm. He follows this with, I'm going to be honest with you. We may not have a world title match. And he says this like he's letting us in on a secret after conceding that the giant just fell off the top of the building. This is peak Shivani in that this poor man has just been thrown in to carry this situation. Bless him. This is something else. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, yeah, we got uh, the match itself. Yeah, the the match. Hogan comes out. Giant comes out. He's fine. He's, if he fell Thank on... By the Michigan State Athletic Commission. Yeah, he got cleared by the commission. If he fell into the water, uh, he got dried off during the the Savage, oh, Savage and Luger wasn't that the match. Uh, he got he got dried off during that time, so that's good. If he fell onto concrete, then he just he didn't have any scratches or anything, so he was fine. Giant is superhuman. I think they call that call him superhuman at one point. Um, the the match sucks, but Hogan does the big reveal to where he's got the demon stuff, and they miss the shot. Straight out of straight out of WWE today, just completely missed this this shot. Because, like, it sounds crazy, right? That he just walks out, but I can't stress enough to people that haven't seen this that like he really just walks out. There's no fanfare. Because Hogan seems so bored. Hogan, one of his direct lines is like, "I didn't want the giant to take the plunge, brother," and he's like so bored and then the joint comes out and Tony's just like, like oh, before he's giant music hits he's almost about to apply that he's dead and it's like yeah. what else? Um, it's, it's so blase it's nothing it's he's like he fell in the parking lot he's not coming out just declare me the winner and let's get out of here and then Hogan runs like a coward like Hulk Hogan's the heel in all of this to me always Hulk is always the heel he always cheats he's always the heel. it's just the way uh, they do the match it's terrible the, the giant it's, there's like a bear hug for like 15 minutes. Anyway, <laughs> the big place in Detroit, it was supposed to be that, um, you know, this is the follow up to uh, Andre versus Hogan and the Pontiac Silverdome brothers, um, <laughs> except this is in a much smaller building. Yes. Not even. And they're, they're sitting in this bear hold and Shivani and Heenan go into like, you know, like in an epic boxing match in the twelfth round, the announcers will start doing the deal of like, you just got to admire these guys. Like, these guys are the elite. Of, these these are warriors, and they go into that deal while Hogan's just sort of standing there in a bear hug, and Heenan's like, "What are they made of? Like, I can't fathom it." Um, and then yes, we get to the Jimmy Hart, the finish. Jimmy Hart, Hogan, of course, hulks up, slams them, all that stuff, leg drop. Jimmy Hart hits the referee. No count. They don't know what's going on. Jimmy Hart gets in the ring. Hogan's like, what's happening? Hogan goes to pick up the giant. Jimmy Hart turns on him, hits him with the belt. Uh, Kevin Sullivan comes in. They lay out Hogan. More bear hugging. And then, of course, we get to the Yeti comes out. And they they, they double-team Hulk Hogan, essentially. That's what you call They double-penetrate Hulk Hogan. 
The Yeti yeah. is literally dry humping this man from behind <laughs> while the Giants got him in the bear hug from the front. And Hogan, you can't even see him. These men have just covered Hulk Hogan with, with their two massive bodies. And yes. that's it. Hogan, Randy Savage comes out, but he gets taken out and stuff. But that that's it. What what do we got on the Yeti? I got nothing else. What else do you want me to say about Will this? anything on the Yeti? Um, I felt bad because like I'm like one of those staunch WCW defenders. I'm one of those like WCW wasn't actually that bad and did more good for the business than bad. Um, that said, <laughs> the Yeti um, was hands down like you could talk about how wwf in 1995 was probably one of the the hokiest brands of professional wrestling ever this is the hokiest looking thing (laughs) ever i i i cannot stress how bad this looked and also and then you have michael buffer on the mic just screaming this is a disqualification there's no title change (laughs) the title did not change hands Ignore this man holding the belt right now. Didn't happen. Stop. Um, this was just nonsense. And it went on so long. It's actually, um, uh, and I'm almost, no, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I was going to say, was this the longest match on the show? Uh, I don't it's think not so. Quite, no. But just thinking about the fact that uh, before this, I mean, collectively, I suppose it is in that yes. yeah. uh, when you consider that Hogan in the monster truck match, <laughs> like when you add all of the collective Hogan and Giant stuff together, this went like over 20 minutes of just pure content here. And it was all so bad. Yeah, this is a tough outing for us WCW guys, I feel. I feel this is one of those moments where we have to kind of stand the troops down. Okay, this, this one is where we take defeat. I mean... It's it's so bad, and the truth is, I think they do like a Lex. Like Lex turns heel in the middle of this, basically, yeah. right? Like he yeah. officially, and it's just lost because the Yeti is coming out. He's terrible. Everything about it's bad. It's it's just it's um it's. I always say this, and Jeremy's heard me say it a thousand times, but it's so glorious that this is two months after Eric Bischoff supposedly like was like we're gonna do like believable characters, like you know WWF's doing all the silly stuff. Over here, it's about to get edgy, and it's like the timeline, Eric, is slightly miscued there because the Yeti shows up within two months of this of this alleged plan. So I don't know. I'm not an anti Bischoff guy. I'm just saying. You're not anti Doc Rivers. Let me tell you a story yes. about about this show, Young Jeremy. Let's go back to 1995 when I was seven years old. I was at a Halloween party for my mom's work on this Sunday, and I begged her we had to leave early because i had to watch this halloween havoc pay-per-view all right we're having a good time we're all with all her work friends and stuff it's like mom we gotta go wcw's got a pay-per-view we gotta head out so we left this party early i watched the pay-per-view stayed up late of course my parents went to bed next morning next morning i wake up go to school my mom's like how was the pay-per-view last night i was crying i was crying i was like mom i can't go to school today Jimmy Hart turned on Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan lost the title. I don't know if he's the champion, Mom. I don't know what happened last night. All I know is the Hulkster lost. I cannot go to school today in this in the state that I am in. And my mom said, shut up, get your clothes on, go to school. She had no sympathy for me at Did all. Did I tell you a similar story, Jeremy? Yes. Okay, so 
I watched this pay-per-view scrambled because that's how I watched every pay-per-view until 1999 when I got my parents to actually buy them for me. But up until this point, I watched it in just blurry green vision. So when the Yeti hit, I had no idea what he looked like. I only heard it. And uh, so like the next day, and all of my friends watched it the same way. So we get to school the next day. I was in the third grade at the time. Um, and we're all talking about what do you think he looked like? <laughs> who do you think it was? Like, do you think it was somebody we knew already? Like, who could it have been? Um, and, like, this was in a period where people were jumping from WWF to WCW and back and forth. So we were considering, like, is it somebody from WWF? Like, who who was the Yeti? We had no idea. And we're just going back and forth on it. And I had to watch Nitro that night to know what happened. One, I had to know what happened to the Giant. And uh, there was a line that uh, Bobby Heenan had on commentary that, I hadn't heard since 95, but when he said, you know, I have no idea what happened to the giant there, but I'm going to get to the bottom of this tomorrow night on Nitro. Yes. Oh, yeah. I wanted to know that. And and so I will say that I was hyped for Nitro. I had to know, one, who was the Yeti? What did he look like? Because they're just describing this big monster on my screen. And I think I remember some kids even saying, what if it's the Undertaker? What if he went to UCW? (laughs) Imagine, um, imagine he did, and they gave him the yes. Imagine <laughs> what, what a play that would be. Joseph, do you have a Halloween Havoc '95 live memory? I do not, but I have next week's match. Okay, Jeremy. what do we got? It so should be apparently obvious. people have. I think you know. Okay. Apparently, people are excited about spin the wheel, make the deal. Yes, um, that's a thing happening like on a show we don't yeah. watch. I would like to stop that excitement because uh, we are watching next week, 1992, the famed coal miner's glove classic between Jake Roberts and Sting. Poor Sting shows up on our show an awful lot, and I feel he's never to blame, but he's always there. Bless him, he's always there. And uh, I want to remind everyone as to what this is we're paying homage to here because it's, it's tough. It's tough times. Uh, Joe, where can the people find you? You're doing so much stuff now. You're writing weekly dynamite features. What is happening? Big star. I'm a big star. Uh, many weekly series. You find them on the Twitter. Everyone knows where. I'm going to pause it to Will. Will. Okay. Where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter. I am William RBR. Um, you can also find me on um, RBR Weekly Wrestling Talk, which is um, to this date the one of the longest running wrestling podcasts on the internet. Been going since June 18th, 2005. It's got the most available content of any wrestling podcast on the internet. Um, I've been hosting it since day one, uh, so we're at 15 years here. Um, and uh, yeah, been doing that every week. It's at rbrwrestling.com, and uh, I'm live Wednesdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. There you Immediately go. Dynamite and NXT, um, which my co-hosts watch, and I don't. We don't watch Good. NXT either, so it's banned yeah. on this program. I feel bad because as, as yeah, we don't. Uh, uh, a little secret for those that don't know me. Um, uh, my younger cousin is is a young man by the name of um, Isaiah Scott. And um, I, I will always support every single thing he does. Um, he just won't watch his program. That's part of why I don't, because I feel like I can't watch it objectively, because I get angry when he doesn't get his what I feel is his due, which is that he should be every champion in the company. But because of that... <laughs> Because of that, I feel like I have to just take a step back 
and not address any parts of that show on my social media or anything. And that's it. That's that's all I can do. That's but, fair. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, especially, I will not say anything incriminating, but considering some of the people that do appear on that program in favorable fashion, I share your frustration. Fine, <laughs> I'll leave it there. Jeremy, continue. All right, everybody. Um, we'll be back on Tuesday reviewing scooby-doo and the mystery of the demon car that's a real thing that we're going to do on tuesday content is done this is the end yeah (laughs) thanks everybody for tuning in we will talk to you then say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money.